When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to the latest Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday stretching into Wednesday. Mary Kay Cabot answers questions from our Football Insider subscribers about Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, uh, some general team building questions, all of that stuff. It's coming up on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, as I mentioned, all these questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. To get subscribed, go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page. Uh, you can become one of our tech subscribers. You get a daily newsletter delivered directly to your inbox. And you can get access to exclusive stories at cleveland.com slash browns. So again, it's the blue banner, cleveland.com slash browns at the top of the page. Click that, get more info, get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on a late Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This is your Tuesday slash Wednesday pod. Uh, Mary Kay answering questions from our Football Insider subscribers. And Mary Kay, uh, Baker is just the ongoing topic for a lot of Browns fans. Nothing is happening. He's still on the roster. And we're getting closer and closer to that mandatory minicamp now. We're only about two weeks away uh, from mandatory minicamp in Berea. And that's when things would get a little interesting. So, Let's start with some Baker Mayfield questions. Uh, This is from Dave in Ashtabula. Hey, Mary Kay, if the Browns were to pay all of Baker's salary, could they get a second or third round pick from Carolina or Seattle or even someone else in a trade if they had that trade partner even pay less, something like a million dollars? Well, you know what? I mean, that is, that's the the big question mark here. Who is willing to give up what for how much money? And of course, uh, the more money the Browns pay, the better the draft pick is going to be. But when a player is um, in the final year of his contract, a lot of times a team doesn't necessarily want to give up a very high draft pick for that player. So, you know, they're just going to have to find a a trade partner that is willing to do, like you said, one of those NBA style trades where, uh, where it turns out to be sort of a salary dump for the Browns and they acquire, uh, they acquire a a draft pick. So, um, so yeah, it it could be something like that. And, um, you know, I mean, I think you kind of have to go back to the teams that have been interested in him before. And those two teams are the Seahawks and the Panthers. And I think you just kind of have to keep working it and keep working it. There's no sense of urgency right now. And there's no real leverage right now. Um, But if you had the Panthers interested at one point, you know, I I would keep attacking it from that standpoint. The thing about them is maybe they're, they're going to get through their 
OTAs and their mini camp, which their mini camp is the same mini camp as the Browns, June 14th, 15th, and 16th. In that mini camp, you will have, uh, you know, the most 11 on 11s that you've had so far uh, in these OTAs. And they'll have a better idea of what Sam Darnold looks like and what even Matt Corral looks like. If it looks to them like they want an upgrade at quarterback, they might get more motivated after that. And if the Browns really want to get more motivated uh, to unload Baker, then maybe they will be willing to pay more of that salary. But they're not going to just do something for the sake of it. Um, They have some options or just different ways they can go about uh, their approach to the next couple of months. Uh, But it it sure is interesting, and it is about to potentially get a little weird. I. The, the longer this goes, right? I mean, I guess this is just natural. The longer this goes, the more it feels like maybe we are going to get to like the start of training camp and this could still be a thing. It just starts to feel more and more realistic because the Browns clearly aren't going to give in on this. Like they clearly aren't going to just say, okay, yeah, we'll eat a ton of salary. Like our texter suggested, we'll eat almost the entire salary. And I don't think even in that case, somebody's, you know, champing at the bit to give the Browns a second round pick or a third round pick for a guy that, is only under contract for one more year and wouldn't necessarily be their long-term guy the minute they traded for him. They, he would still sort of be in, hey, let's find out mode. That's that's a lot to give up for a quarterback like that. Yeah, and I think the, the key, it, that is a lot to give up for a quarterback like that. And I think the key issue right now is the fact that none of these teams really know for sure if Baker Mayfield would be their starter for 2022, right? I mean- even, even the Panthers, I suppose if they do trade for him, he probably would be that. Um, but, you know, the Seahawks, you know, I mean, he'd have to actually go in there and probably compete with Geno Smith and Drew Locke potentially, or maybe they would already know that he's going to be their guy. But, um, but he, you know, there's just not a surefire, here's the opening, here's the job, let's fill it with Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, I would still be trying to get other teams interested, but I think um, the, the key for the Browns is going to be hang on to him until a quarterback gets injured. That's, I mean, that's their best bet right now. And it's actually the best bet for Baker Mayfield because it gives him an opportunity to actually go somewhere and start this season. It I mean, if, if somebody comes and gets you and gives up a decent chunk of money, then, uh, you know, chances are you're going to be starting in 2022 for that team. And that's what he needs. And that's what he wants. And also in that case, you might not be ending up with like a horrible team either. It could be a decent team because if they are going to come and get you and do that, they're doing so uh, with the thought that perhaps you can keep their playoff hopes alive. So that's going to be their best bet is for, um, for someone to get injured and for that team to come calling, to come after Baker Mayfield, and to plug him in there. Okay, so here's a question from Ken Lieb in Westchester, Ohio. And so in reading your insider column um, from this weekend, I kind of got the sense that something changed just a little bit in that, you know, we've talked on this podcast about, you know, could Baker Mayfield play for the Browns if he's still on the roster? Could they actually put him out there? And in reading what you wrote over the weekend, it sounds like, that's not the direction that they're going to go if Baker's still on the roster. So this question from Ken Lieb in Westchester, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, 
let's say for the sake of argument that Deshaun Watson gets suspended for the season. And honestly, the length of the suspension doesn't really matter that much for this, this question, but would the team consider activating Baker as the backup or are they completely done with him even under the most dire circumstances? You know, I think they're done with him. I really do. I think that ship has sailed and I think it has sailed in large part because when he had the opportunity to come back here and start the 2022 season for them when Deshaun Watson basically, or so we all thought, turned them down. Baker said, raised his hand and said, get me out of here. I want to be traded. The uh, relationship has deteriorated to the point where we cannot go forward. So I think that was a deal breaker. And I don't think he's going to take another snap for the Browns because of that. Uh, Now they could keep him around as an insurance policy, but I think they would have to get pretty desperate uh, before that they before they would play him again. So I don't see that happening. I think they would probably rather go out and find somebody on the street before they had played him. Um, yeah, I, I do think that um, the situation is such that nobody uh, on this. I don't think anybody on this team really wants him. I don't mean the player. I don't think anybody in the organization from a coaching and personnel standpoint really wants him to have to play football for the Cleveland Browns again. And I don't think they want him practicing with the team if they can avoid it. That, that was the other part of it too, that, that stood out was like, he'd sort of, it almost felt like they'd have like this separate Baker Mayfield room that they just put him in and he could work there and he'd go to the weight room when everybody's out on the practice field or whatever. Like they would just completely isolate him almost from the team. Like he wouldn't even be in, I mean, the, you know, the way I read it, and, and you can correct me if I read this wrong, like he wouldn't even be in the quarterback room with Deshaun and Jacoby and, and Josh Dobbs. Well, that is true. And there are, and there are good competitive reasons for that too, because if you are trying to trade him, you don't want him to know exactly everything that you're doing this year. You don't want him to know your terminology. You don't want all of that stuff because you know, what if he ends with, up with the team that you're going to play or a team that you're going to face in the playoffs or something like that. So uh, from that standpoint, you don't really want him knowing all the, you know, having all the keys to the castle. Uh, but then there's just the sheer awkward nature of having him be out there. And let's just say, for instance, it were training camp. Let's say it's August 1st and a bunch of people show up in their Baker Mayfield jerseys, <laughs> right? I mean, like this could just get weird. And they have uh, enough on their plate already with Deshaun Watson right now. They don't really need uh, Baker Mayfield around, but there are three options, okay? Option number one, if he is still around, let's take the mandatory mini camp out of the mix because that could go either way. And I actually did talk to people, uh, you know, surrounding this situation that have said no decision has been made yet on the mandatory mini camp. And it is my understanding that Baker's camp and the Browns can work out some kind of an arrangement together where he is sort of excused and doesn't, you know, doesn't have to get fined, doesn't have to come if the team and the player work this out together. So that's, that's going to be possible. So the, the three options are um, number one, Baker shows up and practices. Okay. Let's say we're talking about training camp shows up and practices comes out to, you know, practice every day, takes the reps, somewhere behind Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett, Josh Dobbs. There you go. Okay, so that's option number one. Option number two is what the Texans ended up with last year with Deshaun Watson. After Deshaun Watson asked to be traded and then all of his legal issues piled up, 
they thought that, okay, let's have him come to practice and, you know, he'll just be part, you know, part of the team, but he's probably not going to play for us. So they started out that way and it just got weird real fast. Uh, very awkward. They, they, at, at some points they had him playing safety a little bit um, and try to utilize him in, in some ways. And it just didn't work out. All reporters wanted to know or ask about was Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, it's just, it's hard for the other players who have allegiance to that quarterback. So, uh, so at a certain point, pretty quickly, they did start to sequester him and he practiced off on his own. And I don't think he was in those offensive meetings. I don't believe he was in those quarterback meetings. Uh, because once again, you don't want someone knowing all of your material. Uh, so that, that's another way to do it. And then the third way is the team and the player, the team's camp and the player work out some arrangement whereby the player works off campus somewhere on his own out of time, back in Austin or where, wherever he might be, LA, whatever, you name it. So those are the different ways that you could go about it. All in, all in, you know, here, but off to the side or somewhere else. Those are the things that, that are on the table. It seems like somewhere else would be the best option for both parties. Yes. If I were advising both sides, it would seem that would be the best option. But for Baker, I I mean, could there be a little bit of like, hey, I'm sick of waiting here. I'm I'm showing up. You guys got to figure out what to do with me. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be a problem. I'm not going to cause ripples anywhere, but I'm going to be here. And so kind of force their hand a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I suppose he could do that, but I'm, I'm guessing that at this point, whatever happens will happen uh, as a collaboration between Baker's camp and the Browns, because at this point uh, he needs them to be willing to make a deal. So he doesn't want to make them too mad. Right. I mean, if you make them too mad, they're not going to be overly motivated to pay a nice chunk of your salary and let you go play for the Seahawks or the Panthers. Right. (laughs) So, you know, you just don't want to dig yourself uh, a deeper hole than you're already in. Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit to Deshaun Watson, a potential suspension and the guy who could end up starting some games for the Browns. And that is Jacoby Brissett. Uh, We'll start here. Paul Spencer in New York city. Hey, Mary Kay. If Jacoby Brissett were the Browns starting quarterback all season, what do you think their record would be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, First of all, I don't, I don't know why, but I just don't feel like it's going to be a season long suspension. Um, But for purposes of answering this question, um, I would say that they could, because of the strength of their defense and everything else around them, the great supporting cast, I would say that, you know, you might be looking at another eight, nine win season, maybe nine. I think I'd probably get nine out of that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my first instinct. That was sort of where I landed too. Like it, you're kind of where you were with Baker Mayfield, right? Like you're going to land somewhere between seven and 10 and 10 and seven. Right. And you know, maybe, maybe a ball bounces your way and you go 11 and six or something doesn't go your way. And that, that's when you go seven and 10, but you're just sort of a, you're kind of a 500 team that can maybe squeak out a couple extra wins and sneak into the playoffs if Jacoby Brissett were your starter. And that's sort of where you were at with Mayfield too. Yes. And we have seen teams 
uh, on the strength of their defense, you know, make it all the way to, to a Super Bowl and win it. So if the defense is as good as we think the defense is going to be, and in order for it to be that good, uh, they're going to have to get takeaways. I mean, that's just going to be absolute, uh, absolutely imperative to get takeaways. If they're going to be considered uh, just one of those upper echelon top two, three, four defenses. Uh, But if they can do that, they're going to win a lot of football games. And so, you know, I, you know, I think it is possible, you know, anything's possible, uh, because, you know, I think the defense is going to be significantly better than it was last year. So this brings us to Randy Snyder from Parkersburg, West Virginia. And this is something we've talked about, you know, kind of the, would you rather have this guy or Baker at quarterback? And he's asking this about Jacoby Brissett, uh, Randy Snyder in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Hey, Mary Kay, if the suspension were six to eight games, would you rather have Brissett or Mayfield at quarterback? Again, really, really good question. Uh, you know, at, at this point, I'm not just going to go on football alone because this is way more complicated than that. And for that reason, I can't honestly say that I think it would be best for the football team to have Baker Mayfield in that situation. So I think I would still go with Jacoby Brissett. Um, In addition to everything else, you you're trying to match up the skill sets, uh, not the skill levels, but the skill sets of Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett so that you have a seamless transition when he comes back. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint too, I'd go with him, but, you know, you just don't want to be further dividing the team any more than it, than it already would be. You've got guys that, um, that really do like Baker Mayfield and have hung around with Baker. I mean, Wyatt Teller is close with Baker Mayfield. Nick Chubb is close with Baker Mayfield. Um, so there, you know, there are guys that would, you know, gravitate towards him and be close to him. And I just, I just think it might lend itself to, you know, just being very awkward. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think it's a lot of the um, non-football stuff or I, maybe not even non-football. It's like, you're building this offense in a different way. Now, this isn't Baker Mayfield's offense anymore. It's going to look different. It's not going to be, there's still going to be play action. There's still going to be the rollout stuff, but it's not going to be dependent on that, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like Baker was so dependent on that stuff. Deshaun's not Deshaun's going to use it and benefit from it, but he's not going to be as dependent on it. And that's sort of what you're, it, it's going to look better with Jacoby running it as a backup than Baker running it as a backup. Yeah. And as you could see last year, when they took some of that away from Baker Mayfield, uh, it, it did not help matters for him at all. When they, when they took away those boots and, you know, committed a, a defender to shutting that down, it did not go well for him. They hemmed him in a lot and you could really see it in that Pittsburgh Steelers game in the uh, second last game of the season, his last game, Baker's Mayfield's probably last game in a Browns uniform. So, um, you know, you can see what, what happens in that type of situation. And so, yeah, I mean, you would have to do things completely differently than you plan on doing them with Deshaun. Okay. So you said something um, a little bit earlier. And so I want to circle back to this question from Mike uh, from Fairfax, Virginia, because um, the, you know, Deshaun Watson being out for the season was brought up and, and you said you don't foresee that happening. So Mike from Fairfax, Virginia asks, say Mary Kay, do you think a, a one-year ban is a realistic outcome? And obviously you said you don't think it is. So I kind of just want you to expand on that. You know, I, I don't know why I think that, um, but I, I just don't think at this point because there was, you know, there were no criminal charges. I, I feel like 
the two grand juries that did not indict him, I, I feel like that did have uh, a big impact on this whole thing. I don't think the HBO interviews revealed anything new. And, you know, I don't think there were bombshells in there that would have caused the league to say, oh my goodness, we've got to keep this guy out for a whole year. You know, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Anything that I say about the length of a suspension right now is nothing more than a guess. And I think it's that way for everybody. Yeah. So when people sound really knowledgeable about what is going to happen, I don't think they are knowledgeable. I think it's going to take some working through. Uh, it might take some hearings, some meetings, um, some agreements to do certain things. So, um, so I, you know, I don't think anybody really knows yet, but I mean, it could be a thing where they suspend him for eight games and then he appeals and it gets down to six or something like that. But um, I, I don't know. It's nothing more than a, a gut feeling based on just very cursory discussions that I've had with people. Yeah. And uh, some of it too is like, I, I think to myself, okay, if I hear this, am I going to be shocked by it? And if, if Roger Goodell came out and said, we're going to suspend Deshaun Watson for a year, like my jaw would be on the floor and it does nothing to do with the allegations or anything. I, it's just, I would be shocked if he were suspended for a year. Um, so it kind of starts there eight games. I'd be a little surprised, but I wouldn't be like, that's kind of my, the lowest level of like shock. I think if there were, when they kind of met out that suspension would be like, okay, eight games, a little surprised, but not super like not blown away by it, which I guess is almost how I land at like four to six feels like the sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, sometimes I talk to people and I get the feeling that, you know, they're bracing themselves for the NFL coming down very hard on him. And then other times I talk to people and they're like, oh, you know, I just don't think it's going to be as bad as people think. So again, I, I just don't really know uh, how it's going to go, but I, I think the Browns believe that Deshaun Watson is going to play a significant number of games for them this season. I just, that's just the sort of vibe that I get. And nobody's saying that it's just, I just feel like they're expecting him to play. Uh, one other thing from our buddy, Mike in Fairfax, Virginia, soon to be Columbus, Ohio. So uh, welcome to Ohio soon. Um, Mike, we'll uh, look forward to seeing that new city uh, when you send in your questions on future Hey Mary Kay pods. Okay, let's take a break. And when we get back, we are going to have some non-Deshaun Watson, non-Baker Mayfield uh, football related questions here. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Ronnie Butcher in Chapmanville, West Virginia says, Hey, Mary Kay, I'm very concerned about the talent at wide receiver. Amari Cooper has been extremely healthy throughout his career, but who steps in at the number one receiver spot? If Cooper does get hurt, he doesn't see that player on the Browns roster. I think he's been listening to you, Mary Kay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I've been harping on this for a long time, but at this moment, I don't see that 
a, a number two wide receiver is on the front burner. Doesn't mean that it's not going to happen by the time training camp starts or by the time the season starts. But right now, I think they're looking at their pass catchers globally. So they don't look at it like, oh, they've only got one guy in Amari Cooper who has a, a decent amount of experience. I think they're looking at it like they've got David Njoku, they've got Harrison Bryant, they've got Kareem Hunt. They've got, you know, other, you know, other receivers that have some experience like Donovan Peoples jump. So I think that's how they're viewing it. And right now I do not get the sense that they are. I know that they are, they were not one of those other two teams besides the Colts having fruitful discussions for T Y Hilton, the way that we saw that reported in the athletic, that two other unnamed teams were having fruitful discussions. Browns were not one of those teams. Uh, and then Will Fuller, I don't get the sense that they're clamoring for Will Fuller right now. I mean, he's somebody that maybe if, uh, if Deshaun Watson really, really wants Will Fuller on this football team, that's one of those kind of things where if that's what he wants, maybe they would do it for him. Maybe they would say, okay, we're going to, we're going to throw you that bone. We're going to do that favor for you. So that might be something to keep an eye on in training camp or close to the you know end of training camp. But right now, that's also not on the front burner. Cole Beasley, you know, none of these guys. I just don't get the sense that they are uh, clamoring to sign any of them. Yeah, it feels like if something happens, it is going to happen later in the process. Maybe it happens after 53-man roster cutdowns. Maybe there's some surprise cut or some guy they liked in the draft process three years ago that they want to get their hands on, whatever. I I don't it, – it's starting to feel like this is something that's going to – I feel like they have their team in a lot of ways. And Clowney was obviously a recent addition, but we also, I mean, we talked, we talked about it all over the podcast. Like he'll, he'll end up in Cleveland. I think we all assumed he was going to come back to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just feels a little bit like they have their team. I think so. I I think once they um, made the decision that Jarvis was not coming back and Jadavian Clowney was going to come back, I think they were pretty much done at that point. Anything else that you see at this point is just kind of, you know, a little bit of gravy, you know, some, somebody shakes out in, um, you know, out of the, out of the cuts or out of, you know, even, you know, June one situations, uh, tomorrow's June one, by the way. Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I think for the most part, uh, what you see is what you're going to get. Now, having said that, I still would add that number two receiver. Everybody knows that I've been saying that for a long time because, I do get concerned. Now, um, Amari Cooper has been uh, an Ironman type of player. He doesn't miss a game and good for him. Good for them. He's very, very durable. But in the event that he does miss a few games, especially even with COVID nowadays, right? I mean, you could just, you could be out for two weeks with COVID um, or even just testing positive. Well, actually they're, they're not testing regularly at this point, but I mean, you could still get sick if it it happened at the right time you could still i think you could still miss it i don't think they put out the full protocols if there are going to be any protocols right you you could still probably miss a game if it happened at the wrong right exactly so um so yeah i would still do it i would still go ahead and i would find a good veteran number two receiver that's been around for a long time and uh and that knows the ropes and, and can help out in the event Amari gets injured or even if he doesn't. Um, okay. This is from Gary in Arizona. This is about Amari Cooper. I always think this is an interesting question with Amari. Uh, Gary in Arizona. Hey, Mary Kay. 
why is Amari Cooper on his third team at this stage of career? He's really good, but he's been deemed expendable by both the Cowboys and the Raiders. And I do think that's interesting because I don't think there's an obvious answer necessarily because he's a good player. He puts up numbers. He's productive. He's reliable. He doesn't seem to be a problem. But for whatever reason, he just hasn't been able to kind of find that long-term home. Well, in the case of the Cowboys, uh, I think this year they just, you know, from a cap standpoint, did not want to pay him the $20 million that he was owed. So, you know, I don't think it's that they didn't want him, but, you know, a lot of these teams are not in great cap shape the way the Browns are. And so they have to do right player uh, at the right price. I haven't really examined or explored exactly why the Raiders were willing to give up on him. Um, But it might, you know, if somebody makes you an offer that you can't refuse and your team is in a situation where it might not be going anywhere um, and you're struggling in, in some respects and you can get some good rebuilding material, uh, you know, then that happens. So, you know, I just think the, the Cowboys felt they had, you know, what they needed and that, um, that Amari Cooper, they did not want to pay the $20 million. So uh, sometimes it's purely financial and, you know, sometimes it's fit too, in terms of, you know, a coach, um, you know, Everyone, you know, one person's treasure is another person's, you know, not so great. I mean, so you, you never really know. Uh, but in this case, I think it was more a financial situation. Yeah, I think he's just been in kind of the wrong place at the wrong time in some ways. Like Dallas didn't have, you know, they're in a, a cap squeeze and they have guys who are going to get paid coming up behind him. C.D. Lamb uh, is going into year two and, and he was really good. Things were kind of a mess in Oakland when he was there. And I mean, they they traded Khalil Mack and it was just things that that organization was kind of topsy turvy and they got a first round pick for him. So I I don't think any of this is, you know, I understand if someone's like, well, why has this guy been on three teams if he's this good? But sometimes it just happens. Like sometimes you're just the odd man out and you're just, yeah, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. I mean, that was a very dysfunctional organization that he was in. Uh, with the Raiders at the time. And uh, like you said, to be able to get a first round pick uh, when you're in sort of rebuilding mode is, is key. Okay. There is a question here. This is an interesting one. This could have been, I guess, in part our, uh, our weekend pod, although this is football related. Brian from Minneapolis. Hey, Mary Kay. I'm still extremely concerned about wide receiver. And my question is who from Brown's history would you like to line up opposite Amari Cooper? Brian is so desperate for a number two receiver that he's willing to reach way back in Brown's history and just find somebody uh, to line up opposite Amari Cooper. He says he's too young to have seen Warfield or Lavelli play, so he chose Webster Slaughter, and he also hopes David Bell can become Brian Brennan. Well, it's a great question. It really is a great, great question, and Webster Slaughter is a great choice there, Um, but... I was going to reach back, not quite as far, but as long as we are reaching back into uh, the pool of Browns receivers, I would go Josh Gordon. I mean, could you imagine Amari Cooper and Josh Gordon on the field together? Yeah. 2013, Josh Gordon, 2013, Josh Gordon. I mean, he has um, talk about, you know, all pro ability, Josh Gordon had, and you know, he had all pro ability for sure. 
So, um, so yeah, that's, that's probably who I would go with there. Really weirdly a name that popped in my head. We're just going to stick with the one-year wonders here. Braylon Edwards. Yeah. Obviously I know he had the drop issues and um, really only had that one great season, but that, that season was really good and scored a bunch of touchdowns. And so he, he was one that kind of, again, not reaching back real far. That was like, I, I don't know why he just popped in my head as a guy that I, I wouldn't mind having there at the number two receiver. Yep. 16 touchdown catches. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. And most years he probably led the NFL that year in touchdown catches. I can't remember if he did or not, but, um, but yeah, that's a lot of touchdown catches and, um, and yeah, in the right situation, he, he could have been really, really good, but he was also, uh, you know, he landed in a dysfunctional situation. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, more of the same back then of just the craziness around here. And it was hard for him or anyone to succeed over a long period of time. Odell. Oh, there you go. Odell. <laughs> they could actually still make that one happen, right? Yeah, they could. <laughs> Not going to happen, but, <laughs> but they, they could, he's there. He's there for the taking. And it's my understanding that he would be open to coming back, but I, uh, I, I don't see that happening. It was just too, uh, too controversial of a parting of the ways. It was just too hurtful for a lot of people. It was, it was, it was just a bit too much to just open that door again. Okay. Let's wrap up with a, a question about center Mike and Huntsburg. Uh, hi, Mary Kay and Dan regarding, regarding the center position during OTAs are the Browns giving Nick Harris first team reps and the nod as the starter because he's the incumbent with the num because he's the incumbent having been with the team for two years and as a draft pick, or do you think they will give Ethan Posick, who is physically larger and more experienced, a chance to beat out Harris during mini camp or training camp? I guess I'll sum this up. Is it Nick Harris's job to lose? Yes, it is Nick Harris's job to lose. They have very high hopes for Nick Harris. They're excited about Nick Harris. Uh, I think they believe that he is going to be their starting center this year. And I mean, it's good for them that they have a very experienced player behind them who has started something like 48 games. And that's good. Um, you need depth, but you also need competition. And Nick Harris, knowing that he's got a guy like that behind him, uh, will, of course, work as hard as he possibly can. But they really like what they see. And they liked what they see, saw in the Green Bay game and what they've seen in practice uh, for these couple of years. And they think he can get the job done. So I think, yes, I think it's his job to lose. And I, I think that last part you said is, is always the key with guys like this. They've seen him in practice for two years. They've been in meetings with him for two years. Bill Callahan has been coaching him for two years, now going on year three. Like, it's, it's not like he just rolled up to OTAs and was like, hey, why don't you be our starting center? He's been in this system and program, and Browns fans aren't really used to this kind of stability. And honestly, it's rare – probably even in good organizations to have this, like to have so many coaches just stay and, and not get hired elsewhere. That'll start happening eventually. But um, I mean, he's sort of been kind of being primed for this for a few years now. Yes, he has. And then, and as you mentioned with the coaching <laughs> staff, if Bill Callahan likes you, I mean, that that's a pretty ringing endorsement. And I don't think they would be moving forward with this unless Bill Callahan green lighted it, the offensive line coach. So, and one of the best in the business. 
So that's, you know, that's the way it's slated to go. And of course, he's got to go out there and he's got to prove it. And there might be some bumps in the road in the early going, but they have high hopes for him and uh, it's up to him now. And the best thing for Nick Harris is he has two of the best guards in football on either side. Yes. So they're, they're going to help cover up some of those early mistakes. Absolutely. 100%. And they just have to hope that their tackle situation uh, works out the way they hope that it will this year, because, uh, you know, they know that they're, they're good to go at guard. They have high expectations for Nick. They're expecting Jack Conklin to be back practicing at the start of training camp, not maybe a hundred percent from the start, but working his way up. And then they are hoping or anticipating Jed will be back to, uh, you know, the, the first round status, the first round performance uh, that he started to be when he was in his rookie year. Now that he'll be healthy. Okay. Let's start on one more Jeff Warner from new Philadelphia, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay. Do you think the running backs will be targeted more in the passing game this season? Yeah, I think so. I, I think they will actually. I, I think that uh, I think the offensive coaching staff must just be having a field day with the things that they can do with Deshaun Watson at quarterback and all the different options. And you know, this team obviously and these guys love to um, you know build off the the run and the pass and the marriage of the run and the pass and all the different things that you can do. And I mean, you can really sell all of those things now and confuse a defense because. Uh, you have that dual threat quarterback, a bona fide dual threat quarterback who can do everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it gives you opportunity, more opportunities to have Kareem Hunt on the field in those situations where, which we've always said that we would like to see more of where you can, you know, motion him, put him in the slot, put him out wide, have him catch the ball out of the backfield. But, yes, I do think that you will see more of that. Okay, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All those questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up for that. Also, rate, uh, subscribe, rate, and review to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you missed any of our recent pods, including uh, something a little different, I know a few people really uh, told me they enjoyed that podcast that we did uh, over the weekend. It got pushed back a little because of the David and Joku extension, but um, you can catch our reaction to the Njoku extension from Friday night and then uh, a Memorial Day weekend pod where we did everything but talk about football, Mary Kay. We've gotten good responses to it. Nothing directly about the Jared Leto story, but <laughs> I'm sure that that was the highlight for all the listeners. Yeah, I was wondering if it was well received or not, just that whole pod. I mean, it gave us an opportunity to let people get to know us a little better. And if it was well received enough, I mean, you know, maybe we can do one of those every year or something. Yeah, if you liked it, hey, why not leave us a five star review and tell us uh, tell us you liked it. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was fun to do, and, and I'm sure we'll circle back and do a few more of those uh, over the course of the off season here. So uh, we will have our OTA preview, our OTA review coming up uh, later on the pod. Uh, so again, make sure you subscribe so you get everything coming up in your feed. Uh, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds good.